Ciao, buongiorno a tutti ragazzi. Un saluto di Intel Worldwide. Thank you for everybody who is tuning in wherever you are and whatever time it is in the world. I am joined by a special guest today, but I'll introduce my first guest, the usual suspect. It is Alessandro. How are you, my friend? Thanks for joining us once again on Intel Worldwide. Of course, thank you. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited. Uh, to I was able to get uh, a special guest from another <laughs> podcast. Uh, and maybe it's not so so famous around the world since it's it's in Italian, so you need to speak the language. Uh, luckily, I do, and I have a lot of fun every week. Um, he's Giulio Di Cento, and he's one of the member of the uh, Box the Box uh, podcast. And uh, hi, Giulio. Uh, how are you? Good morning, everyone. It's morning here in Italy, so... <laughs> I have awesome. to, to speak about morning. <laughs> and, it's uh, great to have Julia. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit better? Say, no, explain. No, but you, you are right. I, I'm an Inter fan. We, we do this podcast called Box to Box that is in Italian because we are all Italian based. So uh, we speak in Italian. And uh, no, apart from that, uh, I'm here to speak, to speak about Inter. Thanks for your invitation. Uh, and I'm very happy to be here. No problem. It's a pleasure to have you, Julio. So what we're going to talk about on the Inter Worldwide podcast today, let's dissect a little bit about the disappointing result against Shakhtar Donetsk in the Champions League. Inter are two draws from two, and, you know, it's going to be a very topsy-turvy group with Real Madrid suffering poor results as well. Um, obviously, it's, it's going to go down right to the wire, but some shaky times for Inter in the Champions League. I'll start with you, Alessandro. What did you make of our stalemate against Shakhtar Donetsk? And, you know, where, how do you like our chances, seeing as though the next two matches are back-to-back -back against Real Madrid? So, um, as every other Inter fan, I wasn't so happy, but I wasn't uh, so disappointed or, or negative about the result. Uh, we didn't get three points, but neither did Real Madrid. And at this point, uh, these two games will be crucial for us. Uh, if you're talking about just the game itself, we didn't have any luck, first of all. Uh, we didn't have any luck with the referee, to be honest. And uh, on top of that, we play a, a different team um, in the Shakhtar that we played just a um, few weeks ago, guess a month, <laughs> uh, in, uh, in Europa League, because that, that Shakhtar was trying to create something, making mistakes, and we punished them. This Shakhtar that we saw just a few days ago was just uh, trying to defend the result, which was super weird, especially since they play at home. And, uh, and it's really hard for us to, to create something more because, I mean, we hit twice the bar, we had a clear penalty, and uh, so we had our chances and Martinez wasted a, a goal. Uh, an open goal and uh, so there are good signals but we need to make the goal at least to, to win now that the defense is working we need to score at least one goal so I'm not so negative 
and especially since Real is not doing so much better than us. So we wish you have uh, still a chance to make it. Uh, Julia, what do you think? Uh, first of all, I apologize in advance if I spoke like Super Mario, but uh, I'm Italian and I'm not used to, to spoke like uh, in English. So, uh, but apart from that, uh, I, I uh, the Shakhtar Donetsk game was was very difficult because uh, Luis Castro remembers the the semi final of the Europa League, and so uh, he put on a very defensive uh, defensive team, and he didn't want to uh, have uh, any any bad. Um, uh, any, anything bad happens to his squad. He, he played uh, a game to uh, because of the first win in the group, and so he he he, uh, he do a lot of strategic. Uh, so he uh, also a draw. It's a, it's a good result in this group, and so uh, he tried to put that at home. Uh, and uh, it was a difficult game because uh, against uh, a team uh, that uh, put so many men on the defensive line and with uh, uh, with the line so uh, near to their uh, to their goal line, it's always difficult. There was no space, and uh, especially in the second time, uh, he put uh, even more emphasis on uh, the defensive uh, the defensive line, and uh, uh, and it was nearly impossible to get to the to the to the area. Uh, but uh, if you if you remember the the game in the semifinal, uh, we were uh, one one nil uh, the, for the, the for seventy minutes, sixty five minutes, something like that. Uh, and it was a, a similar game uh, in uh, uh, in fact. Uh, if if you can manage to to score on the first occasions in the first time, uh, then uh, everything changes. But uh, you you were not able to to do that. Uh, and it was always, always difficult to uh, to find a goal when the pressure comes up. Yeah, I would agree. I wanted to ask you guys one more thing before. Um, I'm I'm very, very strict against complaining about decisions that don't go our way. When Inter don't win, you know, 99% of the time, I'm always taking responsibility for the team and the coach. But I can't help but feel the elbow and arm raised over Lukaku's chest in the box is about stonewall of a penalty as you can get. Just because this guy is a beast and is bigger than yeah. most of the other players and doesn't go down easily, that's no reason not to blow for a penalty. To me, that's a 100% penalty. Julio, do you agree? Uh, yes, I agree. Because uh, in, um, in real time, I didn't uh, watch, watch that so, so well. But in the replay, I, I, I have the same ideas. Same idea, uh, because uh, it seems like more uh, a, a normal contact on uh, on the regular on the regular vision. Uh, but then you see that uh, the ball is near there, and the defender uh, go, goes after Lukaku uh, completely, uh, did, forgot forgetting the ball, and uh, <laughs> you can do that. Uh, but uh, on Lukaku, we seen in the last games that uh, it's difficult to have so, some penalties. Uh, uh, because of what you said about uh, about him, he's, he's big, uh, and so uh, some contacts are are not so evident. Uh, it seems a, a long, long time ago in um, in the NBA there was the same problems with Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, yeah. Some uh, there there was uh, there wasn't some falls on him because he was bigger than uh, than his um, than than than, than the AAB. The, the, the adversary. Oh, excuse me, I, <laughs> I had some problems. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the well, same thing. Look, I, Alessandro, what about what about you, bro? You reckon it's a penalty for sure? 
Yeah, sorry, uh, not against Roma. The same thing. Uh, the same thing happened the game before in uh, Ecco, against Genoa. Think, uh, against Genoa was the same. It was a penalty, That's, but uh, yeah. with someone not not so big, it was a clear penalty. But uh, nothing yeah. to say about that. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's just hope that, you know, maybe he should go into the dressing room and just Conte should tell him to fall over a little bit more and maybe we'll get a few more penalties. But as long as he's not falling over as much as Lautaro Martinez, because because it's me, he just doesn't seem to be able to find his form at the moment. But he's going to have to find form, Alessandro, because it looks like Lukaku has pulled up with a muscular injury and we have got Parma in three days. So this needs to be a very big game for Lautaro because he's probably going to part with Pinamonti, seeing as though Alexis Sanchez is still returning. I thought Alexis Sanchez, and I've got this little inkling that Alexis Sanchez is going to be fit. It's going to be one of those joker cards that is fit in the last minute and he ends up on the pitch. And that's why maybe they've been easy to announce the Lukaku injury today. But other than that, it's also a good chance for Pinamonti to get some minutes. We have been very heavily reliant on Romelu Lukaku and we need to learn that this guy as amazing and athletic as he is cannot play every single minute of the season nobody can so Alessandro what are your initial thoughts going into the Parma fixture this weekend which if we are serious about being um, champions we have to win yeah absolutely I mean probably it's one of the best games to have this problem since Parma uh is not doing so great so far so hopefully we should be able to compensate the injury of Lukaku with Lautaro Pinamonte and uh, maybe Sanchez unless you prefer Perisic uh, striker as he did last time but uh honestly it's going to be another difficult game i i can't see Parma repeating what Genoa did and what Shakhtar did, so putting five or six players uh, in defense, trying to cover the wings. I mean, right now, the, uh, the other option we had was to pass the ball to Lukaku that brings the, the rest of the players up, and now we need to do something different. Uh, I don't think Pinamonte can do that job, and Lautaro not for sure. So... Uh, let's see. I'm pretty sure we had a plan B, and uh, and now is the time to to show what it is. Julia, do you have any idea what that can be? No, no. It's uh, it's not an easy situation because also in the in the last season, Lukaku was the, the second player for total minutes uh, on the, the season behind just Andanovic and um, by Little. Uh, so Lukaku is central in the in in, in the game. Uh, of the team, especially uh, this season, uh, because we we are uh, we are still managing to uh, to find the right uh, um, the right movements and so on, uh, and we rely a lot on Lukaku if uh, if the uh, the rivals uh, let us do so because uh, with the shutter we had some problems, and also in the the, the last season uh, there are very a few uh, games that in which Lukaku uh, was uh, benched for technical um, for technical reasons uh, and a pair because of uh, physical injuries. So it's a, a relatively new situation. We, we don't have him at all, uh, and uh, the Parma is in uh, any way. Uh, I uh, I was thinking that uh, Parma was the, the perfect game to um, 
managed to find some, uh, some minutes of rest for him because uh, we have Parma, Real Madrid and then Atalanta. Uh, so uh, it's uh, <laughs> the, the, now we are forced to play without him and we have to focus on Lautaro Martinez that need to step up uh, and then uh, we'll see but we'll see especially for the, uh, the, the, the game because we, we, we don't have uh, Lukaku on the right that is uh, our, um, our cornerstone for the game in that, uh, in that zone, in that, that situation uh, and uh, uh, another important thing is uh, uh, which striker will, uh, will play on the right side because uh, Lautaro Martinez always played on the left side when he, when he played and uh, Alexis Sanchez usually get there when, when he's in the pitch. Uh, so uh, we'll see what, uh, what Conte will do. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of our lineup, I'm pretty sure I've just been thinking it over in my head. It's got to be something like Handanovic. I don't think D'Ambrosio gets benched. He's just absolutely like popping up at the right time as he does. I, so D'Ambrosio... Uh, no, we, we, no, we for those we, excuse me for D'Ambrosio we don't have uh, we don't have a substitute. So the the, the, the only player that can play there uh, without screener is Darmian, and I don't think that yes. uh, Darmian will start in the position. No, not in the defensive position. I don't and, think that. I think I'm um, defensive him I a little bit more as a wing back. See. Can I ask you a thing? Uh, do you think Conte will ever play Lautaro on top? And Ericsson behind, and then keep the rest of the team like the three, five, one, one. one, one. Is it, that, that's something that's a good idea. Can even a hundred percent, it can happen. It just depends how flexible Conte wants to be. I don't, I don't like play, placing too much emphasis on you know the numbers and what position they should be because a player as classy as Ericsson should be able to drift between all the lines and the sidelines as well. What was disappointing for me, boys, was when. Ericsson was injected way too late in the 78th minute. He's injected as a trequatista who's meant to make those risky passes or meant to, you know, try something creative and attack. But he was getting the ball and playing very comfortable sideways passes like he was reserved, passes that any midfielder could make. So that's not what I want to see from Ericsson. I just, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm actually, I'm very nervous that the situation is not working out at all. And I have this feeling that we might be looking to sell him to make a huge plus Valenza profit. But, you know, that's a conversation for another podcast, maybe sooner than we think. So D'Ambrosio gets the start. Um, Devray, to have Devray leading the back line and Bastoni on his left-hand side makes me feel super duper comfortable in a, in a fixture like this. You throw in a natural Hakimi and a, mid, and a midfield of Barella and Vidal and Brozovic or maybe Ericsson. Um, Julio, you know, I'll get to you in a second, but just in case you don't know, I'm Nicola Barella's number one fan and I think he's going to be the best midfielder in the world yeah. yesterday. Um, so also, I think Ashley Young might get injected back into the starting lineup here. And up, up top, I already said, I think it'll be Martinez and Pinamonti. Um, I'm excited to see Ashley Young get a start again. I've, I've always been a bit of a fan of his. I know he's a veteran. I know he's getting on in his career, but he's very he's very versatile and he's very smart when he's on the pitch as well. Um, Julio, would you make any changes to that starting lineup? Are you relatively happy with that? No, but I'm relatively happy with that also because we don't have so much options. But uh, for the same question, from the same question before uh, or the the fact that we have Parma, Real Madrid, and Atalanta, I think that uh, so one in the midfield uh, will rest, uh, and especially mm -hmm. Vidal because uh, Vidal can't play uh, every game and is is playing every game since, yeah. since the first the first game and every game he started from the first minute apart uh, Inter Fiorentina. Uh, and uh, if uh, if uh, he managed to get some rest, he's in that uh, 
uh, in that game. Uh, and, but uh, the, the only alternative for him is Ericsson. So uh, I don't know if, uh, uh, if Conte will, will do something like that. Uh, and remember, well, I'll, uh, I remember that uh, Parma plays with, with, uh, with the diamond in the, in the midfield with the 4-3-1-2. Uh, uh, but he's not in a, in a great period. The last uh, I, I saw the last game of Parma for box to box because I have some problems. But uh, and uh, with uh, after, uh, against Spezia, <laughs> uh, they they do a terrible match. They the Spezia dominated the pitch. They were uh, 2-1 uh, until the 93rd minute when they get a penalty against and they get also uh, three. Um, uh, pali, adesso non mi viene in mente come si dice. <laughs> uh, Post, so, grazie. And, and so uh, the Parma is not in a, in a great moment and I expect Liverani to do something like uh, Genoa and Shakhtar. So uh, get ready for that. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, Alessandro, you can piggyback off that. You're happy with that lineup. If we rest Vidal, I might ask, maybe it's time Rajan Nangolan gets a start for this side again. What do you think? Absolutely. Um... I'm not sure what the situation is with Gagliardini and mm. uh, for COVID and also Young. I thought um, during the last game he had some small injury. Is completely recovered or not? I'm, I'm not completely sure I'm asking you guys. No, I'm not too sure, but I'm, I think he will be in the lineup. I did read somewhere that he's expected to be in the lineup, but I can't quote that 100%. I forgot about Nangolan, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to, to have him on the, on the, the roster, so I forgot about him. Uh, I also play Young, if possible, because also uh, in, the, in the Champions League game, uh, he uh, demonstrates that he is a smart player, as you said, and is important especially to, uh, for, the, for the, 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 passive, uh, the passive phase. And so, but for, for Gagliardini, uh, he just come back and usually uh, Conte never uh, put on the pitch a player that just come back from COVID. So uh, he's, uh, he's able to play, in my opinion, for Real Madrid. And I think that against Real Madrid is a, has a huge chance to, to start. Uh, based on the, on, the, on the other games, important games for Conte. Yeah, okay, very good. Let's talk predictions before we talk just a little bit of side news. Alessandro, going into Parma, are you confident? Maybe we keep a clean sheet with a solid backline? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not 100% sure about the clean sheet. Probably, uh, you know, it really depends who is playing. Uh, but if it's not a clean sheet, it's, uh, you know, like a random goal once we are winning already hopefully i i can think of like a 2-1 or 1-0 but this is this should be a game that we we're able to win no matter what uh, against yeah. parma in the last years uh, there's something uh, always something incredible happening so uh, get ready if you if you see something strange uh, unexpected goals uh, unexpected protagonists and so on if you remember the last year uh, we got Karamo that uh, looks like Garincha and something like that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he'll start again for sure. I think he grabbed a couple of goals midweek um, when he was playing in the cup. So, yeah, he, he'll definitely start. And I remember that. We scored the first goal, didn't we, against them? And then they just went bang, bang, Jovino and Karamo in the space of five minutes. Exactly. 
Esatto. And the year eh, before su... was the super goal of Di Marco. Di Marco, but also in the second game the last year we got the Gervinho goal and the, 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 we, we, uh, we managed to win just in the last minutes. There was, there was something, uh, always something incredible when we played against Parma in the last year. Uh, in this moment, uh, Parma is in huge problems because he is one of the uh, worst um, offensive, offensive uh, ratings of the Serie A. He, they scored just six goals, two in the last games uh, on set pieces. So uh, they have some problems, but uh, this doesn't mean anything, as I, as I just said. Uh, we suffer a lot Gervinho usually and Caramo also. <laughs> and they are, uh, anyway, they are very fast uh, and uh, we have to put uh, some attention on, on the movements uh, on the, and, and so, something that we have some problems with in the last games. Yeah, fair enough. So, what is your prediction, Giulio? Hey, I hope uh, in a victory like uh, 3 1 or 2 1, something like that. And I hope that we don't, didn't suffer uh, too much because. Uh, Parma is in difficult in difficult situation, and I hope that uh, we did, didn't revitalize them. So, yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about a couple of headlines just before we wrap up. What was a nice, short and sweet episode of the Inter Worldwide podcast? Uh, Stefan De Vrij looks an absolute shoe in to renew his contract very soon. I, for one, am very, very happy for that one. This is coming out from Pedula this morning um, or yesterday, whenever, whatever time it is and whatever you look, whenever you looked at it. So his salary is said to increase um, suitably, which is fine by me. Pay him as much as you want. In my opinion, he is the best center back in the country and we have him as our leading center back. It's amazing. Yes. Alessandro, you happy? <laughs> Julio, you happy? Yeah, Very happy. Very good. No, no, you have to, you have to keep the variety on, on this team because everything you said is, is valid and he's one of the leaders of this team. He's the best defender in the Serie A for the last yes. season and also in the, in the season before he played so well. There, are, there is nothing about, wrong about that. You have to keep the variety in this team. Also because the variety is, is I told that already two years ago, uh, De Vrij is a player that is incredibly underrated on a, on a world level because one is one of the best center backs in the world, not just in Italy, yes. but he has no, uh, no rumors on him at all from years on years on years. He just is just here. He happens, but uh, no, nobody seems to, to, <laughs> to see that. Yeah, well, I think um, a lot of the reason for that is because Virgil van Dijk plays for Liverpool and heads the centre-back spot for the Netherlands. And then I guess everybody was in love with Matthias De Ligt after what he did in the Champions League. And because he signed for Juventus, I guess that's a little bit more glamorous. They don't really see the hard work that goes into it. And, you know, I think De Vrij deserves a spot over De Ligt more often than not in that Dutch national team as well. But hey, if he doesn't get called up, I'm happy because we all see how international duty um, treats Inter players. Fantastic. Very, very good I healthy totally, times. I totally, I totally I totally agree with the last, uh, the last sentence. It's very, it's much more yeah. important than you think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will ask you another question, Julio. How, how surprised and how happy are you with the quick development of a true Interista, um, Alessandro Bastoni? This guy really looks like he could be the next closest thing to Javier Zanetti in terms of passion and charisma and being attached to the club. I know, you know, even for me, there'll always only be one um, Il Capitano, but Bastoni shows us everything. Are you a big fan? And are you surprised at how quickly he's developed? Yes, uh, yes, uh, yes uh, to uh, the, two, the two things. Uh, I, I'm very happy and I'm very surprised because uh, I, 
followed him uh, in his career and uh, uh, at Parma he was a totally different player because uh, Parma plays in a totally different way under D'Aversa uh, they played with a very uh, line defensive line very near to the to the goal line and so uh, he, he didn't have uh, the the ball uh, all the time that we see in Inter uh, and he developed that, that, uh, that characteristics very very quickly and uh, he get a, a lot of personality and uh, he, he continues to grow up, grow up, grow up uh, in terms of uh, the uh, ability, tactical abilities of reading the game, uh, keeping the distances. Uh, and it's very, very important for this team, uh, for the in future for the national team. And uh, no, no, I'm, I'm very surprised and uh, I'm very confident that he will uh, continue his developing as a uh, as a player and uh, it will be important in uh, inter for now and in the future i have, i agree completely and if you if you notice in the last game he was basically one of the two lower playmaker he was on the on the left and then on the right d'ambrosio was going forward and one of the midfielder was going uh, was coming back so they had Bastoni on the left and usually Brozovic on the right trying to uh, spread the ball around and and if let's say Bastoni had the ball on the left and it was closed there it was switching the ball on the right to Brozovic and he could find the right passage usually to Lukaku so it's something very, I don't know, kind of unusual and important, and uh, at this age especially, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. In, at the moment, he is by far the player with the most average passage on the team, uh, and it's, uh, it's a great sign of personality for a player that is so young. Uh, if you see, for, he has 19 average passes a game, and then the clear, the nearest to him is Milan Skriniar with uh, 78. Uh, De Vrij is is, uh, is the third at 65. And for the for take the, the same role, Kolarov uh, that uh, is is not a defensive player and is uh, known for his ability to uh, get the ball uh, and so on. Is it uh, is uh, at 53? Is a huge difference. Um. Anton, I think you're mute. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I am too. And I just started my sentence. Thanks for that. Because ah. I was just looking at the next thing to talk about. We have a proper glass man on our team. When is Stefano Sensi going to be fit and get a proper run of games? Boys, do you remember we started last season and this guy was our best player by like a country mile? And th that's it. That's where it started and that's where it ended. Julio, enlighten yeah. me. <laughs> Hey, hey, but it's it's a it's a sort of a mystery. So <laughs> if I if I can't enlighten you, I'll enlighten Inter also because <laughs> the, the last season uh, we he, he, he was he was already started and finished by by 30 October. So uh, we had this uh, illusion of uh, this great midfielder that could do nearly everything. And we did the same uh, him uh, never again because also, also in this season he uh, started a, a, a game and then uh, he disappeared again. Uh, we don't. We no, nobody knows what uh, what uh, pr precisely what he has. Uh, he got a red card though. 
See, yes, a red card against, uh, against Lazio, and then uh, he goes to the national team, and then uh, he, uh, now he has uh, this, uh, this problem uh, in his leg that Conte, in, uh, uh, in, in one of his last interviews, said uh, he, don't have, he, he, he don't have nothing, uh, the, uh, we have to do more, uh, more exams, and then we found that uh, he had problems in his legs. And now we start again with uh, the muscular problems and we see when we get back him and then he have to re-get re his form and then usually he gets back with uh, another injury. Uh, it's a, a strange, strange, strange situation. Very strange. Alessandro, I've heard your opinion on it before, but talk about it again. I mean, this, this last development is pretty absurd. I mean... Even even for Conte to go on the press conference says, I, I don't know what he has, not, nothing that I know. And we did the, the first uh, visit and nothing came back. So now we have to do more because apparently he has nothing. I mean, <laughs> come on. Even it's if crazy. that's true 100%, you don't say that. I mean, if you are, uh, if you're saying that, it means that probably you had enough on these BS and you're just calling me out, but I don't know. I mean, we all know that he could uh, be a great player and uh, I guess he doesn't want to at this point. I don't know. I mean, it, it reminds me of the situation with Cardi when he had the Ginocchio problem. You know, the, the imaginary... The imaginary invalid, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> ah, the the so... problem is uh, to, to link that with the Ericsson situation. The problem is that uh, when Sensi played also in this season, the, 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 the few minutes that he played, uh, he demonstrated to have a, a much more uh, understanding of what Conte wants uh, in, uh, in his... Uh, and his idea of play uh, more than Ericsson because of, of what uh, you said before. Uh, Ericsson has that uh, tendency to uh, put some uh, simple passes and then to find uh, some, sometimes the, the, special, uh, the special pass. Uh, since instead uh, has a, a more vertical approach uh, and Conte appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I would agree. Well, guys, that's all we're going to have time for for this edition of the Inter Worldwide Podcast. It's been a bit of a short one, but, you know, with plenty of games coming up and plenty of short intervals, there will be plenty of contact. Uh, sorry, content. What am I talking about? It's tiring. Julio, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast, my friend, and I'm sure we'll have you back on again sometime soon. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And I, I'm happy to, I'm happy to be here when you want, uh, when we found the time, because it's not so easy no, <laughs> from Milano not, not. and where you are, but uh, it's, it's an honor for me. That's awesome. Three guys in three different time zones. It, it's tough, but you make it work. Alessandro, as always, grazie. To the next adventure. Thank you, guys. That's it. Forza Inter, Forza Inter Worldwide. Ciao, ragazzi.